We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, we are delighted to do so with my good buddy, our good friend Sam Stone. He is a political consultant in town, has his own radio show here every Saturday afternoon at 3, Breaking Battlegrounds, and uh, a fun and active uh, political and cultural Twitter feed, Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Sam, how are you, brother? I'm doing great, Seth. How are you? I'm fine. I have a lot to talk to you about, and we're going to do a food segment So can I, yeah, can can I real quick throw in, uh, Saturday, 3 p.m., Breaking Battlegrounds, you folks are not going to want to miss this. We're going to have the, it's the 30th anniversary of the Sandlot, which for all the kids who grew up in my era is one of those classic growing up childhood movies. Uh, we're in, we have the cast of the Sandlot on to be interviewed for their 30th anniversary of that film. So awesome. I'm looking forward this to it. This is fantastic. I'm, I'm geeking out on it. Oh, good for you. All right. It's a baseball movie. Ba- sort baseball of. movie, Pickle the Beast. Pe- people might remember the yeah. pick- Pickle the Beast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sports movies. Yeah, look, baseball, baseball movies baseball, tend to be the best, I think. They are the best. I mean, first off, interesting. I don't know what it is about baseball, maybe the pace of it that lends itself to a movie better. Um, but, I, I, you know, there's some good football movies, not a lot of them. Not a lot. There's very few what I would call good basketball movies. Zero. Um, I, I would there's say— one good hockey movie. Right. Um, <laughs> there's one. Right. Uh, I, I would actually say there's there's two okay. because I'll include Miracle on Ice. That well, that was the one I was thinking of. What were you thinking of? Oh, I was thinking of Slapshot. Oh, I don't even know Slapshot. Oh, I, the classic, you know, hockey comedy movie oh, from okay. the '80s. Right. I mean, that was a ton of fun. Okay, like that's one of those. It's it's a little bit like Happy Gilmore for okay. hockey, right? All right. Like All right. You, you're not taking it seriously, but okay. man, it's a blast. It's a good so, dodgeball movie. Yeah. So there's there's <laughs> two, and dodgeball has one. Basketball movies are the worst. Well, I would say Love and Basketball with. Omar Epps, yeah. um, I thought was really good. Okay, um, Base, best baseball movie, best baseball movie. Oh boy, so that hold that so, tie. Probably. So this is really tough for me to pick my best baseball movie, but um, I'm going to go Bull Durham. I'm going to go The Natural. I, I love The Natural. Field. Neither of, of us went with Field. Oh, you you would put Field. Of well, Dreams I would up. put Field of Dreams up there. Yeah, I would not put it ahead of The Natural. I wouldn't I would, either. I would not. Um, I think romance, it's, there's something much there's something about the natural I can't put my finger on it just well, and, everything works and Bull Durham was just so mm. authentic to the minor leagues yeah. obviously a little goofy it's yeah. a movie but yeah. but um having been a, I think as folks know my family owned the Phoenix Firebirds the AAA baseball team here mm. I grew up around baseball and yep. around minor league baseball and that movie captured the soul of minor right. league baseball in a way nothing else ever has. Bad News Bears has to be counted. Bad News Bears is a fantastic movie. Fantastic. Now, now let's back up. Yes. The Billy Bob Thornton one. Nope. No. No, Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. All the way to. Yes. Oh, this is why I like you. Best football movie. I could probably give you two that I think are great. Well, remember the Titans is, is that wasn't right. going to be, but that is a good one. That's right there at the top of my list. Oh, I could do um, three maybe. 
Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Is, Give Billy know, Bob Thornton his due there. You know what my yeah. problem is with Friday Night Lights? I'll tell you two quick things yeah. about it. One, the series was better than the movie. Correct. It, it, was. it was. If you haven't Kyle seen Kyle Chandler that, is going to outact anyone, first of all. It, he is brilliant yeah. in it. And, <laughs> yeah. and actually, that whole cast yeah, that they had in that cast. was really good. Um, if you haven't seen that series, I think it's on like Netflix or Amazon. You series. definitely need to watch yeah. that. It's great. Um, the other thing to it is that my college roommate, my first college roommate, yeah. attended that high school. Oh, Permian? Yeah, t- oh. attended Odessa Permian High How School. Fun. And uh, he was actually a cheerleader, male cheerleader, yeah. <laughs> which people make fun of I've, until yeah. he explained to me the opportunities that were created yeah. by being a straight male cheerleader. Yes, and I then bet. It, then I was like, man, I play. I, Texas. I did not do the right things yeah. growing up. <laughs> Do the right thing. Uh, Any given Sunday is a great football movie. Any given Sunday is a really good. I, 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 Brian song. I'm a bit of two minds about that. Everyone cries at Brian's song. I I thought um, Brian's song's fantastic. Um, I thought Any Given Sunday, Al Pacino was really good. I thought there were some great monologues in it. There were. Um, Game of Inches. I I think they tried to pull too much into that film i can see why you're saying that but by the way we say movie here we don't say film oh, okay yeah just it's important is it yeah why we're americans okay it's it's a movie there's no film theater well i don't i don't i don't it's know i don't know seth i think I, I mean, you're the kind of guy that goes to the movies you don't go see films uh, i enjoy a good yeah, think film. on it think on it think on it. all right all right i you, you got some work to do on that all right one. all right um donald trump was uh, face face the federal judge today? Uh, and what tell a me judge. what you got. Yeah, well, what a I judge. Mean, first off, the judge shopping that they've done, and the fact that they're doing so much of this in the D.C. courts. Um, they, these are, you know, you're not going to get a fair trial. There's no way for him to get a fair trial in Washington D.C. in an area where 90 percent of the people are registered Democrats mm-hmm. or, or voted Democrat. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's just ridiculous. He is truly the most hated man inside the Beltway, probably in history. Um, and the so the idea that there can be a fair trial there, but also then this judge, her, she's a hanger judge, her partisanship. Yeah is just naked and disgusting. I mean, she has no business being on any bench at all. And um, this is turning, this is, you know, base, we were talking a little baseball, right? Baseball, they have a, uh, in the locker rooms, major league teams, minor league teams, they hold uh, what they call a monthly kangaroo court. Oh, okay. Right? Which is a very informal thing run by, like, the longest tenured players where it, they find guys or punish them in, in you know, kind of silly and, and inter- entertaining ways. Um, for infractions of the unwritten rules of baseball, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if if you went and stole a base while you're leading nine nothing in the ninth inning, your own teammates are going to razz you and take twenty bucks that'll get you know used for clubhouse beers or something. Um, this to me is the Democrat version of a kangaroo court. Mm-hmm. It's it is. There's no real legal justification for what they're doing to Donald Trump. They're making it up as they go along. There's it's it's all these sort of unwritten rules that they're accusing him of breaking. Not I mean, they're accusing him of breaking written laws, but his actions don't match the the accusations. Right. In other words, you, you cannot say, I mean, you can think he's right or he's wrong, but there is no law that says that somebody, even a presidential candidate, cannot make a false claim about an election 
right? I mean, especially if he does think it's right. I mean, yeah. there's there's two things going on here that are just so odd to me. The, the the indictment itself is replete with stating that Donald Trump knew he was making a false claim. I've been saying this for, for, for three days now. You can't watch a rally of Donald Trump's or see an interview of Donald Trump's and actually think that he thinks that 2020 wasn't fraudulent. Well, I, you cannot I, think that. No, and I can tell you from working with Carrie Lake and, and her being so close to him, um, he has zero doubt at all that the election was stolen. And so what he is saying is, it, you know, in his mind, 100 percent the truth. But in his mind is irrelevant here, mm-hmm. really. At the end of the day, he has the right to say that. Well, that's the other thing. As Jonathan Turley said, if I took a red pen through the indictment and crossed out everything that is constitutionally protected speech, right. I'm left with a haiku, 17 syllables. Right. That's exactly right. You have the right to make these claims. Otherwise, every Democrat in the House of Representatives would be indicted. Hillary Clinton would be indicted. Nancy oh. Pelosi would be indicted. Barbara Boxer would be indicted. Jimmy Carter would be. There's not enough courts or lawyers to indict along these lines. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And then the other thing, and I'm just pulling this up on, on my Twitter feed. I, I reposted it earlier today. By the way, repost is not nearly as good as retweet. They changed that. RT was just, you know. Oh, yeah, you're right. I noticed that. Um, But but one of the things like the the timeline of these indictments and such. Right. Mm -hmm. So March 16th, oversight reveals uh, House Oversight Committee reveals Biden family payments. March 17th, Hunter admits the laptop was his. March 18th is when the D.A. told Trump that he was going to be indicted. And Trump announced that. Um, April 4th, you have that indictment. June 8th, uh, FBI doc alleges Biden, Hunter, each bribed, you know, each received five million in bribes. Uh, June 9th, the next day, classified the classified document indictment. Uh, July 26th, Hunter, Hunter's plea deal collapses, right? July 27th, additional charges, classified right. doc charges. Mm-hmm. July 21st, Devin Archer testifies. August 1st, Trump, January 6th indictment. Like, the partisan, the, the blatant, process naked partisanship yeah. of this is disgusting. This is, and and this needs to be, frankly, everyone involved in this prosecution should be prosecuted for destroying the American legal system and the rule of law because that's what they're doing. I agree with that. I want to talk to you on the other side of this break about how it works out for Donald Trump and what the Democrats are thinking. I am of still mixed mind on this issue. Sam Stone is my guest. Sam the Paul on Twitter, or whatever you call it now. It's still called Twitter, right? Xer. X on X. On X. It just doesn't work, it man. It makes it sound like you're on drugs. Oh. Sam Sam the Paul on X. It's, it's been a few decades. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Sam and I will be right back. Sam Stone is my guest, host of Breaking Battlegrounds. You can hear it every Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. God, gosh, you just got some great guests. I actually want to talk to you about an episode you did in a few minutes, Sam, last week, I think it was. Um, okay, on the Trump indictment, your thoughts on this question. It's really two questions. We have been told, and there's a level of analysis, that the Democrats think that Donald Trump is the easiest of the candidates to beat in the general co- in the general election, and thus when they put him through these seven circles of legal hell, <clears throat> they know that that builds his strength for winning the nomination. Um, a, 
Which is, I think is true. You do think that is now, true? I do okay. think that's true. I think they've made a partisan calculation okay. that he is the easiest candidate for okay. them to beat, that a generic Republican is going to beat a geriatric Joe Biden. Um, and, you know, it's going to be hard for them right now. I mean, if we go back, the things they're throwing at Trump are the same things they threw at John McCain, the yeah, same, right. same things they threw at Mitt Romney. Right. This is not new. They're acting like it's new, but it's not new. They've just taken it to an entirely new level. However, I think right now it's hard for them to make that pivot. Okay. Well, right? that, that's there's been some pushback already. You see that with DeSantis right. a little bit, yep. but you know Tim Scott. Yep. There were a few pieces yep. came out, and people are like, "Wait a minute, you know, come on." Mm-hmm. Um, so I think right now they've gone they've gone so overboard with this that it's hard to pivot to tar the uh, a different Republican with the same brush. They'll do it. They'll certainly go after it. But I think people would be hesitant to buy it. And you're seeing that in the numbers. So if you look at the polling uh, one-on-one between DeSantis and and Joe Biden, DeSantis is a four- to six-point favorite in pretty much all the swing states. Tim Scott, a three- to five-point favorite in all the swing states. So um, the others in that field they see as stronger. Now, polling and Donald Trump are interesting yeah. because there's a lot the, the history shows that there is a lot of error right. in polls when Donald Trump's name's involved right so I'm not sure they're it's entirely, a Bradley effect what they used to call the Brad Tom yeah. Bradley effect so I'm not sure they're entirely right about their their belief yeah. but that is absolutely their belief so we have to if you believe that then you can't say that they're going after Trump because they're most afraid of him right that talking but one of those talking points is true and one of them isn't but Let's go with your thesis for the moment that they think he is the most beatable and they think these things help him well, with his no, support. I'm sorry. Actually, let me I, I had to think through what you just said. I don't agree with the, that being a binary. Okay. I actually think that they believe and probably correctly. OK. By the way, that they they're not most afraid of him. Okay. They're most afraid of him in office. Right. 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 Um, because he's he's not going to play ball with them the same way even a DeSantis would because he's more of a deal. Yeah, he calls him out. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, what they're targeting here is two things. One, they want Trump to win the primary. And two, they want to – it's only a couple of percent of the country that are real swing voters. They're not messaging the Republicans who are behind Trump with this. They're not messaging the Democrats who already hate Trump with this. What they're messaging is that 2 to 3 percent of the electorate that will decide the election – and that two to three percent, they they know for a fact, and, and these, I mean, these are real. I, I've pulled up numbers on this. They know those people are not watching Fox News. They're not listening to talk radio. They're not doing the things that would give them a different view. So the only view those people are getting of Donald Trump is the one the Democrats are presenting now. They're not exactly winning their case because they are taking it so far. That was my question. At what point, if they are unleashing this light, these series of lightning bolts against Donald Trump, at what point can they stop it? Uh, at what point can they control it? At what point can they control how much saturation and how much unfairness it feels like for people who might be inclined to support a guy that the system looks rigged against? That's, I don't know I, if they can I cap think, that bottle. I, th- I don't think they can cap that bottle okay. because their side is, is rabid dogs okay. when it comes to Donald Trump. Okay. I mean, they really are foaming at the mouth and biting everybody around them, okay. um, just like Joe Biden's German shepherds. Mm-hmm. Just like Joe Biden's German shepherds. Uh, you know, you can always say it's not the dog, it's the owner. Yeah. And I could give them a pass for the first dog. Yeah. 
Because it's like, okay, yeah, you know what? We've had a lot of dogs. I had one that was nippy. But when you've gotten two of them and they're both biting everyone in sight, I'm sorry. That's the owner. Joe Biden's yeah, a bad dog Yeah, you've got me owner. thinking. I'm just trying to think. I've never known unwieldy dogs with a conscientious owner. No. I've never known it. And, well, you, and, you, and you I get... have known, but most dogs do kind of ape their owner. They kind of they kind of follow the lead of their owner. They, well, they're, so I'm they're... wondering if Joe Biden's temper, those stories about his temper, might be understated. I think they are de- deeply understated, especially with someone who's entering – um, I don't even think this is the early stages of dementia anymore. I think you're talking about middle stage There's type, going on type dementia, um, which often results in violent it, outbursts, bitterness, right? Anger, yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of, of emotions that come with that. I think that's translating. My guess is that's translating with these dogs. Um, you know, I mean, we had a dog once that liked to nip people. It wasn't he wasn't mal it wasn't malice. Yeah. He 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 wanted to to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he can't do that with a German Shepherd. Though. He couldn't quite get the grasp that those teeth yeah. were a little too much yeah. for, for most people's well, behind. What kind of dog was that? It's a German Shepherd. Oh, it was a German yeah. Shepherd. Oh, well, yeah. a nip from a German Shepherd. That's like a nip uh, from so, a Great White. You so, can't have so it. So he didn't actually. He wouldn't, you know, clamp. Okay. He, would, I mean, <laughs> he wouldn't lock. No, he. <laughs> okay. He was. He was doing what they do with each other. Okay. You know when they. Yeah. When they, they when they, they play when they wrestle, wrestle and fight yeah. and all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. He just never quite got that you couldn't do that with humans. Yeah. So we had to be very careful of him, and but he never bit, and he never broke skin on anybody. Okay, was, you know, I mean, it wasn't that kind of thing. Um, so I, I'm, I was inclined to say, okay, maybe you get a dog that's kind of nippy. Yeah, you know, but not all of them. But not not two in a row. Yeah, not all of them. No, he needs to take his dogs. There's a great training facility out there. It's where I took Dagny. And where Obama took his dogs and uh, where people take their dogs when they want to do serious training. Well, I, why does Georgetown he, School for Dogs. Why doesn't he take him for his weekend at Bernie's? Yeah, I know. You don't see him on the beach, do you? No. You don't see him on the beach. Sam, uh, so the indictments um, are, to me, interesting because it is proof positive that the Democrats have no compunction about criminalizing speech or illegalizing freedom or political speech. They've been doing it with misinformation boards. They've been doing it sometimes under the guise of disinformation. We have seen, and you have been well-documenting on your Twitter feed. They have been doing it with social media companies. And now they're using the federal court system. Now they're using the D.C. Circuit Court to criminalize political speech. They just simply have no compunction about this. And the tale is kind of given away because what they think— a, constitutionally, they think that what Republicans stand for or do is engage in hate speech, and they think hate speech is unconstitutional. They're wrong, but they're wrong because it is such an arbitrary con- uh, concern. Anyone can label anything hate speech, just it's speech we don't like, and then we criminalize it. This is as bad as it got under, I don't know, before McCarthy. I mean, even McCarthy wasn't this bad. Oh, no, th- this is far beyond McCarthyism. Yeah, right. I mean, they have You have gone, to exaggerate McCarthy I, to get this. And, and for, for see, kids now don't, don't even know the history right. of McCarthyism. Right. If you say that, they, they would have no idea what you're talking about. You and I are probably the last generation that truly understands that. This was a scandal in America at that time. Right. It's a scandal that has gone, I mean, is a tiny, tiny molehill next to the mountain of what they're doing right now. And I've said before they really ramped this up 2020, but you can actually go back. This has been building up long before that. They were doing a lot of this stuff to other countries before that. 
and they've adopted a lot of those tactics that they've been using around the world to the suppression of the American citizen. Let me take a break. I want to come back on that. Uh, Actually, Ground Zero is ASU. Sam Stone and I will talk about that when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Sam Stone is my guest host of Breaking Battlegrounds, heard here every Saturday at 3 p.m., uh, political consultant in town. And uh, he, he has his own Twitter feed, Sam the Paul, which is highly recommended. You had a great, greatly interesting guest last week. That's what, how I want to say it. Greatly interesting because of how I thought pathetic it was, quite frankly. This is yeah. a professor at ASU who, who has been trolling the free speech advocates at ASU on Twitter with some, uh, I would say, fairly um, acerbic and nasty sideswipes. It's weird because it's as if we're trying to have a conversation with, listen, to, with someone who listens to nothing we say. And, and you brought this professor in to his credit. He came in and he folded like a, a wet bag of popcorn. Yeah, no. He has, it, he, I mean, he, he, he doesn't listen to what we say and he accepts no position of evidence. There, it's invincible ignorance. There is no level of evidence you can submit to him that he will accept as that there was a problem at ASU. Right. Free no, speech. I mean, this guy literally came on the air and said to us, no, there's no evidence right. that professors were using class time to tell kids not to go to this. Yes. Here we have Copious te- evidence. Here we have to- testimonies and emails yes. from multiple right. students that right. say this happened to them. Right. Um, we have direct statements by some of the professors involved right. in that time period. Right. Um, we have a, we have a mountain of evidence. The one point he made, and I really was hitting back on him, is well, they didn't say that they had to cancel the event. They just said they didn't want it associated with Barrett, the honor. Yeah, but honor. I don't accept that. Well, I don't and, accept that at all. Go and ahead. I don't either. Okay, and that's the point. So he was saying that, and my take was, well, if you go back uh, about a year earlier, I guess it was with Don Critchlow's uh, institution. There, they had an event with. Andy Biggs and Ted Cruz and some others, the professors came out, a lot of these same professors came out and said, demanded canceling of the event, right? And then uh, Don Critchlow was able to rally a lot of support, bring a lot of attention to it. Michael Crow stepped in and the event went forward and he you know, was very clear, no, we're not going to be canceling events. I think these professors very, very clearly knew what the line that had been set in that incident was. And they were trying to cancel it without saying they're trying to cancel it. Well, I don't know why they called it a petition. What's a petition? Is a petition a cause of action or not? The letter begins with the undersigned Barrett faculty right to condemn. What does condemn mean? It means to damn. And then they go on and call the speakers white nationalists. True white nationalists may or may not be able to have an event, but they are not white nationalists. So they engage in unprotected speech, that is to say defamation of the speakers. And then they refuse to allow these – the Lewis Center to advertise this. That's viewpoint discrimination. That is censorship. And they promote this letter, by the way, on social media, so asking other professors across the country – to sign on to this. Yes. So it's not just about we disassociate ourselves from Barrett. They were asking non-Barrett professors to sign on. At that point, it becomes a petition. And, of course, they were trying to get this and event canceled. And there's significant evidence that they and got. And two people were fired. Yes. And then there's significant evidence the that they had uh, university employees running around campus tearing down the, the promotional materials the, for this event. The only reason I got involved in this, the only reason I got involved is that the people at the Lewis Center said, ASU is not letting us advertise this event. We need to get the word out to the community. Right. That's how we got involved right. because they, ASU has, has plastered their name all over an upcoming event on transgenderism. Fine and dandy. In that, in that, in that 
poster with ASU's name all over it. It actually it actually um, it actually criticizes conservatives in the in the advertising yes. of that event. Yes. ASU's name is all over it. They're promoting it. Nothing to see here. Nothing wrong here. But this event. They wouldn't let me advertise the event with Robert Kiyosaki, Dennis Prager, and a physician. Well, I, I tell you what I believe that particularly in this case, uh, Kiyosaki and Prager should be doing. Um, they should be following Kyle Rittenhouse's example. I'm not talking of the acts in Waukesha, obviously. What I'm talking about is the acts in court that have followed because he won a significant settlement from CNN and some others. Uh, and he's actually using a bunch of that money to continue paying his lawyers to go around and go after all the people that defamed him individually. And Nick Sandman did this as yeah, well, right? Nick Sandman did this as well. And I really believe that that's one of the answers that we have to start uh, using, quite frankly, is every time. And you know what? Put some legal funds together. You know, make sure we can pay for this and protect people if lawsuits are thrown out. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, uh, we need to fight back the way they do. Which means no hold bar bars. We're playing dirty, and we're going to use the courts too. I mean, if they're going to engage in lawfare, then we should engage in lawfare. Well, there's lawfare and there's lawfare. The legal system is certainly one. The legislature is another, and they're working hard on it. They put together an ad hoc committee, a joint ad hoc committee, that's working to rewrite yeah. some of the laws to put some to strengthen some of the free speech commitments that a public university is is what's the word I want is is encumbered to uphold. And we have a board of regents here that has broader powers than in most yep. states. The next Republican governor will be an utter failure if their first act isn't to replace the board of regents with a mandate to replace and remove these radical professors from our universities. Sam Stone is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Sam Stone is my guest. One of the favorite things we do with you, Sam, because man doesn't live by politics alone, is we like to get a little bit of a restaurant review from you every once in a while because the three of us love food and uh, love good food. And, uh, and local food. And local food. Barbecue is our topic this week. It's a good topic. It's a too. good topic. It's a good topic right up until I got sent a photo of a cookout. Yeah, David. David, Dahl. Ohio, young David from Ohio, sent us a picture of a cookout. And granted, a Ronald Reagan cookout. Yeah, fine, it's great. But just putting hot dogs on a grill does not const- does not a barbecue make. No, no. You want a quick cookout story that explains everything wrong with the moderate part of the uh, Republican abs- Party? Absolutely. A friend of mine is at a fundraiser for Mitt Romney in the Newport area in 2012, and there it, it's a burger hot dog cookout and they're in line and he's standing next to Mitt Romney who orders the chef to give him half half a cheeseburger says I'll take half a cheeseburger my friend says to Governor Romney or then I guess yeah he's known as Governor Romney then he says Governor I think the American people would like their president to have a whole hamburger have a whole cheeseburger (laughs) and he goes half a cheeseburger please that on top of the fact that on hot dog appreciate that explains a lot. Yeah, it explains a ton. Get the whole cheeseburger and eat what you want. And, and you're heading exactly where I would go next. So hot go dog ahead. appreciation week. He puts ketchup on his hot dog. Someone else put ketchup on it. That was artfully placed ketchup from the cafeteria or whatever. It's embarrassing. Are you twelve? Are you Ab- twelve, Mitt it's Romney? Not America. No, mustard is the appropriate condiment for a hot dog. Right. 
if you're 12 years older or under, you can go with ketchup. Right. It's acceptable up to up to the point when we bar mitzvah you. Right. And at that point, <laughs> point, you're done. You're done. Yeah. You can, onions are acceptable. Right. Relish is acceptable. Right. And here in the Southwest, you can add jalapenos. Yep. yep. And nothing else. It's no longer a hot dog if right. it has ketchup on it. Right. If you do the Chicago dog, you can add all of those sure. things. That's yeah. legitimate also. No. But notice there's no ketchup in no it. No ketchup in it. No. All right, so to barbecue. Barbecue. David, do you understand the difference between barbecue and a cookout now, young David? Do you understand? Slow, low smoke? Yeah, it's just, it's a different, it, you either get it or you don't. He does not. And he doesn't. No. All right, where do you like for barbecue here? Well, okay, look, everyone points to Little Miss, and it's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Honey Bear Barbecue. Yeah, um, Central. They're gone from Central now. Oh, did they move? Yeah, no, well, they went out of business on that location. They're only in business now still at their original location, which is at 52nd Street and Van Buren. Oh, not bad. Okay. Um, so it's great for me because it's nice and close to my place. Uh, it's not the, the nicest neighborhood. It's like, right. Keep your car in sight of the window Okay. Uh, when you park there. Keep okay. your car in sight. Um, it is Tennessee-style barbecue, Good. so it's a little bit different. Yep. Um, but... Uh, their pulled pork is is absolutely off the hook, uh, absolutely off the hook. And I'm a mac and cheese guy. Huh. They have the best mac and cheese of the barbecue spots. Have you been to a place called Starlight on Hayden? Yes. I think Starlight is fantastic and one of the few places that has beef barbecue ribs, which is hard to find, and I don't know why they're so hard to find. Because well, they're hard for them to get. I guess. The, the good big ones. Yeah, are, the big I mean, ones. it's just there's so much demand for them, Is right? that what it is? Yeah. I, I've, I've talked Back to Back at Don and Charlie's, they sold out like within the first hour of every evening. That's in every place that has them will have that happen. Is that right? Yeah. Well, Starlight does a great job. It's owned by uh, uh, the head chef and owner is uh, Sterling. He has a he has Ocotillo downtown. Yeah. Uh, great family, great uh, Phoenix family, the Sterling family. I, I think it's a fantastic restaurant. It is a. It's also look. There's not that many places that aren't good for barbecue. The barbecue generally there's some that are. Uh, there, there's some that I won't eat at yeah. because it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Compared yeah. to a great barbecue, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to bash them and name them by name. Yeah, although which, we want to, which I do want to. I really but want to because there's one by my house, and I'm so disappointed. I think I know. It. I think I know it. You probably do. I do. There's yeah. one. There's one on Indian School that's not very good. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. All right, we'll leave it at that. I like right. Hog Wild on Thomas, by the way. Hog Wild, Hog Wild is good. Um, I actually like Bobby Q a lot. Oh, okay. Um, so that's the old Bobby McGee's owner. Did yeah. you know that? Yeah. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. He he also owns the. Um, he has some breakfast restaurants too oh, around he? biscuits. Uh, oh, the does he? biscuits chain is his also. Oh, okay. Um, my sister used to love to go to the Bobby McGee's. Because she was always wanting to get into acting and that sort of thing. And so you'd go. Now, me as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old kid, they had some nice-looking college girls in 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 cute costumes. So I was fine going for those. Sure. Um, but barbecue, to get back to it, they have these barbecue egg rolls. Oh, wow. That are killer. No kidding. Oh, they're so good. They have a great baked potato. I don't know what they do with their they, baked potato, they have a great but it's baked a great potato. baked potato. And they have great pork ribs. Do they? They're not a beef rib place, no. and they're not necessarily a brisket place. Okay. I'm sorry, Bobby, if you're listening. I, I apologize. You've got some – at the end, they give you those little hot mini donuts that they make on site. Or like a beignet or something? Yeah. Okay. Oh, those are good. I, I only know them from their baked potatoes, which are fantastic. They are. But um, 
you know who used to have the best barbecue beef ribs? It may have been before your time here. Rawhide when it was up on oh, Scottsdale. Oh, no, that's that? not before my time. I How remember. How great those were, the tangy oh, and the so hefty good. and the... Those were so good. Yeah. Rawhide was great it back was. in the day. Yeah. It's a shadow of itself yeah, now. It's, it's what is, a, it, yeah, it's it's actually just nothing. It's no, you you don't you don't want to bother. Same thing with what's the one down on Washington Street uh, uh towards the university. Oh, I don't the, know. The stockyards. Oh yeah. Stockyards. Right, 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 um, right, right. Which one time was like one of the great steakhouses in the yeah, West. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember pro- how it used to smell? Because yeah. it was by the stockyards? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we had stockyards? Yeah. All right. Thus concludes our culture. Sam, it's good to have you, brother. It's good to see you. Seth, it's always a pleasure. We covered a lot here. Beef, Well, we, co- we covered a lot. You know, we covered Donald speech. Trump. We covered ASU and speech. And then we talked about a lot of fluff. But that's kind of actually more fun. None of it is times. fluff. None of it is fluff. It's, it's about it's culture. Great, and great food is I not fluff. I was on a tour that's... of Chinatown in Canada once and uh, in Vancouver. And our tour guide said... This is going to be a cultural event, and since food is culture, there will be eating. (laughs) Food is culture. Okay. All right. We do culture and politics here. Take us out, David. I mean, nobody puts ketchup on a hot dog. Sam Stone and I are big fans, uh, both of us are, of uh, Why Refi, and when you think about the economic indicators from failing banks and the stock market's volatility, talk of uh, and speculation of a recession, inflation. Why Refi has an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. And it's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they're headquartered here locally. You can stop by their offices and visit them. They encourage that. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. Uh, They leave the selling up to me. Uh, They won't give you a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. But when you do meet with the folks over at Y-Refi, You'll see why I like them so much, and you can too. Why Refi is a due diligence proof firm where you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a ten point two five percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y then R E F Y dot com, or give them a call at eight 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 Y Refi thirty four eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. It's really an amazing thing when you think about. Stuff Sam and I were talking about, the criminalization of speech when it comes to political candidates or when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the contretemps that took place at ASU over Dennis Prager speaking there. The assault on speech is, of course, an assault on the First Amendment, but it's much bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. It's an effort to dominate the realm of political discussion, thought, analysis, and debate in this country. It's an attempt to dominate it such that conservative speech or anything that does not maintain the orthodoxy of the left is unacceptable, doesn't deserve protection. It's right out of any tyrant's playbook where they will allow for freedom of speech so long as it justifies or serves the ends of that regime, the ends of that dictatorship or that tyranny or that ideology. 
That's their view of free speech. And anything they disagree with, they simply prescind from the realm. They simply prescind from acceptability. They simply try and make illegal, which is why you hear them say such things as hate speech is not protected speech. But they get to determine what hate speech is, thus the arbitrariness of it. It's, a, it's an assault that if we don't wake up to understanding what they're up to, they're going to win on this. And they're going to win by further and further encroaching and further and further incursions to the point where we won't even understand what has happened to us. That's why we make such a big deal about this. It's a big deal for them to try and dominate the entire realm of that which is acceptable. Judge Leonard Hand once said that liberalism is the understanding that it may not always be right. It's not it's not an understanding of certainty, certain fixed outcomes, certain fixed analyses. This isn't liberalism from the Democratic Party. This is hardened socialist leftism. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth.